Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11 is where we find ourselves this morning. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. So we've had three sessions in chapter 1. So this is the first session of chapter 2 here. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to read those. Okay, what's, could somebody read this for us here? Philippians 2, 1 through 11. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who... Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Thank you. So what do we know about the Philippian church here regarding their relationship with Paul? What do we know about their relationship? Paul is in many ways the spiritual father of the Philippian church. Okay. Paul was, as seems to be the case for many of the places that he was a part of, Paul was a spiritual father to many in that church. Ron and I had the privilege of being a part of a church in a little town of Bloomfield, Connecticut, when we were first married. And the pastor there basically brought was used of the Lord to bring practically everybody that was at that church to faith in Christ. It was a very, this, it was a very warm fellowship. Uh, really a, a wonderful, wonderful church uh, for us to be a part of. What else do we know about, about them? Closely related to that is deep love for him. Okay. They loved Paul. They were committed to Paul. Okay. Now, and that's... Some of the background with chapter 2 here, right, was really Paul's language is kind of explained in a sense by his relationship to them. He, he wants to encourage them. They're concerned about Paul. Now, why would, they be, why would they be concerned about Paul? I mean, Paul's a pretty scrappy guy, you know. I mean, he's a guy that gets stoned, left for dead, you know, gets up, goes back. I mean, you know, ends up... Obviously being shipwrecked, I mean, he spends days and nights at sea, gets 39 lashes time and again. Uh, Why are they worried about Paul? Well, for that very same reason, they loved him. I mean, my goodness. Right, I mean, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, your people, your friend, your children, yeah, they're tough. Okay, yeah, but I mean, wow, this is... I love you. 
I, I care about you. I want to know how you're doing. I want to be a part of your life. I want to, you know, uh, invest. I want to, you know, please let me know. So the Apostle Paul is, is talking about that. Um, he's, this is the context. Um, now, let's look at, again, these first few verses here. If there's any encouragement in Christ... It's an interesting language. If there's any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, is there? What? That's an interesting way to talk about it. What? Why do you think he's? What does he mean by that? Is there any encouragement in Christ? Most sure. Okay. I mean, this is kind of like. I mean, does the ocean have water in it? I mean, can you can you get some of that water? I mean, right? Does Fort Knox have gold? I mean, not for me, of course, but nonetheless, the Apostle Paul is, is talking about something that, that is absolutely super abundant, right? And ready and accessible for them. He's, what, is he, what is he telling them to do? He's a spiritual father. What is he saying? Look to Christ. There's a storehouse. Are you hungry? The jam's on the lowest shelf. It's all right there, right? If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort. And they may, they may say, well, maybe I haven't thought of Christ in that way. Maybe I haven't thought of our Savior. Maybe I haven't thought of our Master and Commander that way. Maybe I haven't considered this of the Lord Jesus Christ an encouragement, a comfort. He urges them to consider Christ. Have you ever thought of that? you ever been in a hard spot? What kind of comfort can Christ give you? What kind of affection and sympathy can Christ give you? What do you think? It's the comfort of knowing that you're not alone. That there's somebody else who has already suffered that same thing and uh, empathize with you, shall we say. Okay. So we're on the path, right? We're in the war. And here's Christ, our great commander-in-chief. What does he say? He says, <laughs> I've, I've been here. As a matter of fact, I own the place. Let me show you. Let me show you how to do this. I'll be with you. Right? I'll be with you. So this is, this is the idea here, right? Any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit. What does the Spirit do? They participate in the work of the Holy Spirit. What does the Spirit do? He bears witness to what is already being accomplished in your life. Okay. And he's the one that has done it. Okay. We have a, an element of uh, assurance in this. He, okay, he points us to Christ. Okay. He unites us to Christ and to one another. Okay. 
Comforter, okay. Helper. Often when I ask people about what they expect of the Holy Spirit, they often uh, tend to incline toward this idea of future guidance, right? But if I'm looking to the Holy Spirit for future guidance, I'm, I'm going to be really disappointed. Because that's not actually in His job description, right? Because it is the Word of God, the revealed Word of God, that is our guidance. The Holy Spirit works from this basis, from God's Word, right? So, He's not going to tell me what's going to happen on Tuesday. But He's going to apply the Word of God to me so that I can then enter into a faithful walk with the Lord on Tuesday, whatever comes, right? So, the work of the Spirit here. Affection, sympathy. These are, these are important these are important ideas. Now, he says, uh, complete my joy by being of the same mind, of the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Complete my joy. Now, what is the implication there, complete my joy? Okay. The Apostle Paul already has a measure of joy, right? Complete my joy. There's a sense in which they're returning his love for them, back to him, and their love for him. Okay. It seems that Paul is counting, to a certain extent, on them for a certain level of his joy. Does that scare you? I mean, do you do you uh, hope to have your joy completed by other followers of Christ? Do you, uh, you know, the Bible says in the Psalms that God's people are the excellent ones. Psalm 16. In other words, uh, are you looking for joy? Look for it there. Right? Look for it there in the excellent ones. Right? Not maybe somewhere else. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, full accord. One, there are at least four words here that have something to do with unity. Right? Same mind, same love, full accord. What, what is that? What's the point there? Okay, yeah, it seems to be pretty straightforward, right, Carlos? I mean, um, I don't, you know, I don't think this is sort of uh, one among many options, right? So he is really defining for us that. So if we are, we're longing for uh, this joy, right? And what's going to be uh, certainly the nature of this joy? Well, he says, oh, here it is. It's by being of the same mind. 
having the same love, being in full accord. What do you think would be some of the some of the aspects of the same mind, same love, full accord? Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, we go into the same place here. I mean, right? Are we thinking God's thoughts after Him? Because we know that you know what's going to happen is if we think God's thoughts after Him, we're we're going to be united around this thing that's the truth that's unchanging, right? And so that's that's an idea here. The same love, being in full accord of one mind. That doesn't mean we're all the same, right? But it means our thinking is biblically united around the truth of God. And what we find is is there's absolute joy in that. Now he goes on, uh, verse 3 here, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more important, more significant than yourselves. Now, so the Philippian church, they show genuine concern for Paul. And others, not in their local church, right? So here's the Philippians, and you may you look and you think about the Philippian church, and you say, "Oh, wow! They what a what a loving, warm group of people." I mean, I can't imagine what what kind of struggles they might have. They they probably don't have any at all. They, everything's just totally like wow. I mean, certainly a commendable church in many ways, right? But then, what does Paul do? Well, I mean. He, he exhorts them here. I mean, do nothing from rivalry or conceit. Paul, I mean, why, well, I mean, why are you telling me that? I mean, do nothing from rivalry or conceit. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Just an empty thought, I'm sure, that Paul had, maybe. Think Paul had a little insight? Why did Paul say that? At the very least, there were a couple of women who were getting along in the church. Perhaps more than that, but at okay. least two ladies that were not getting along. Okay. We know there was some disagreement there, at least, that comes up. All right. But not only that, where there's perfect agreement, we still need to be reminded and. and uh, approached this. We've got to keep this going. Yeah. This is not an option. That's right. Turns out Paul knows they're sinners, right? Paul's writing the Philippians. The address, what was the address of the Philippian church? It wasn't heaven. (laughs) They're not perfect there. It was actually the city of Philippi, right? So, what does he know is going on in Philippi? Same thing's going on here. All kinds of sinful, jacked up stuff, right? And so, he wants to encourage them. When somebody exhorts you to something that you think you've kind of got in the bag... How does that make you feel? Well, 
Okay. When the children of Israel began to take the land in Canaan, the book of Joshua chronologically is relatively short, actually. Do you think in Judges they had to retake some of that ground? I reckon they did. Is there a certain arrogance in this idea that, oh, I fought that battle once, I'm done? Yeah, I was proud one time, but <laughs> well, I don't have to worry about it anymore, man. So don't exhort me to that. No. We may say, well, what's the purpose of the exhortations? It's because we need them, right? It's because we... we this, is, this is this fascinating process of living life in Christ that, that actually requires, even in maturity, the exhortations of the Word of God, right? So, important ideas. Do nothing... Be reminded, again, do nothing from rivalry or conceit. You ever done that? Uh, yep. In humility, count others more significant. Now, verse 3, interesting. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. So what is Paul saying? Let me give you a couple of options. Is he saying this? Know in your mind that you're actually better than everybody around you, but count them more significant by kind of acting that way because that's holy. That's the first option, right? And the second option is actually to own this idea when the Apostle Paul says, I am the chief of sinners. Now, when Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners, what do you think he means by that? Again, there's a couple options. Paul ran the math, right? He said, oh, wait a minute. Ding, 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 ding. Yep, I won the prize. I'm the worst guy on the planet. Therefore, I get the title chief of sinners. Or, or, as dastardly as the Apostle Paul was, was he affirming in generality that I'm a sinful, horrible man without Christ. And in fact, everybody else is in the same boat as I am. But I count myself in this way, right? Remember what the Apostle Paul... What does Paul, Paul's name mean? Paul. Paul means small. That's what his name means. It means little. That's an important idea, right? So what does he mean here? Count others... How do you do that? Count others more important than yourself. Put them first. Okay. Hmm. How do we do that? Put them first. If I'm having a disagreement with a guy, I look at him and say, well, you, you may well be right. In fact, I've got to assume that you're right. Okay. It's easy enough in matters of preference, right? Red or green? Hey, you know. They're both lawful. Look okay. at yourself as the largest sinner in the room. Okay. Look at yourself as the largest sinner in the room. Okay. Now, would that change things? Does that change personal dynamics when I count others more important than myself? Right? Okay. 
Now, he addresses another idea here. Let's see. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now, what does he mean in verse 5? What is that? What's the idea there? Have this mind. What, what is the... Is that the end of the road? Is that it? Had this mind? What, what is this? What, what, this mind? What's, what's Paul talking about there? Is there any more explanation to verse 5? Where is it? Okay. This mind is explained as well. Okay. And so in 6 through 9, we get. What, how do we describe this mind of Christ? We know that um, there's obviously a significant measure of humility there. We count others more important than ourselves and our actions. We persuade ourselves of that continually. How else do we describe Christ there in verses 6 through 9? Okay, it was a servant. Now, we want to make sure we get this, this explanation right here, right? So, he isn't proposing, okay, that we, in fact, are like Christ in our superiority, okay, in that we count others as more important than ourselves, right? But what, again, this is, a, this is an explanation, if you will, from the greater to the lesser. In other words, look, the Lord Jesus Christ is, in fact, the master of the universe. He's the agent of creation. He is God in the flesh, right? He is worthy of worship. The angels in heaven and all the beings in heaven right now are bowing down and worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, right, continually is what's going on. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And look what He does. How does He act, right? And the Lord Jesus said it Himself, right? He said... He said, the servant isn't above his master. I'm a servant. I've taken on... I've taken, again, he, he wraps the towel around him, if you will, and he is the one who's serving. Who's washing whose feet? Right? Taken on the form of a servant, though, though he is God. So if, certainly if the Lord Jesus does that. Didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. What does that mean? Didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. What do you mean there? Is it saying that he didn't orient himself around people? Okay. As if he was God? Okay. That's not what he was trying to do. Okay. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't. Yeah. He had for all eternity been in the presence of the Father, one with the Father. He, like you said, He is the agent of creation. He, he is God. And yet, He didn't count that as something to be uh, selfishly held on to grasp in that sense of, of, uh, of uh, unwilling to ever lay that, those rights and privileges aside. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Subordination. Yeah, I love the old uh, the old war stories too. 
the the fighting hole stories where you know it's dark, the weather's horrible, there's not much to eat, and the you know the the infantry captain's going around looking at his men, making sure they're okay, and and he he kind of makes out somebody that he doesn't know who is that's sitting quiet in the dark that was there before him, and it's like the commanding general or something, and he's like there sitting with the guys, hanging out with them, seeing how they're doing, doing the same thing the captain's doing, right? Because he doesn't have to be there, right? He, he might have somewhere else he could, he could hang out, but he's decided, right, to tabernacle. These are my people. <laughs> you know, the Lord Jesus did the same thing. Heaven beats the best place on earth. But Jesus came here to be with us. Okay, didn't grasp, but didn't... says, made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Any other ideas there that you get about the attitude, the aspect, the characteristics of Christ? These are, we're talking about attributes that, you know, the Apostle Paul is commending to us. Right? He's commending certain attributes. What would, those, what would those be? We've got humility. What else do we have? We have servanthood. Okay, okay, we have a... A self-sacrifice here, right? Um, yeah, his, his obedience wasn't limited up to a certain point. Okay. He was willing to go... Okay, yeah, it's a good point. Well, I'll, I'll do this until this happens, and then everybody, we're done. We're going to take over. Yeah, great point. I mean, we do live in a day where everything's negotiable, Right. Yeah, I'm faithful until right here, but I mean, but man, you go this far, and I'm like out of here. That's not the Lord Jesus. Right? That's not the model that He gives for us. Okay, good. Also, we we put the other person's needs above our own wants. Hmm. But I mean, what about me? Who's looking out for me? Christ looking out for me. <laughs> Right. It's all in there, right? It turns out when when I follow Christ and I enter into this, this energetic level of faithfulness, it seems like somewhere he said, and all these things will be given to you. Did he say something like that? Like seek first the kingdom? Is that what he's talking about? Yeah, that's the idea, right, when we, we enter into this. Other uh, aspects that you see here in Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Anything at all. We've got some very significant themes here. Our union with Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit.
implemented and developed where my focus is to take care of Woody. Put Woody as eyes, I can take care of him. But what about me, like you were saying earlier? Well, Casey is going to do the same thing with me. Okay. You know, and I'm mm -hmm. not, he's going to support me, and then I'm going to turn and support Casey. You know, there's a, that's going to help push that unity because you don't have to worry about yourself. Someone else is going to take care of you. You need to worry about somebody else. Yeah. That's good. But we see something here in verse 8 about his own attitude toward being obedient to them. It's not that he chose to suffer. Rather, he chose the, the ones for whom he was going to suffer. Mm -hmm. There's a difference there. I, I know that, that mm -hmm. he's, not, he's not a masochist mm -hmm. in, in suffering here. He sees a need for those to whom, for whom he's coming. The only hope for them is that he suffer for them. Yes. And he loves them so much that he's going to do that. Yes, that's good. Do you like to suffer silently? Don't you want people to see you? Just Don't you know what daddy does for you? likely an appropriate place for them to have explained to them what mommy and daddy do for them, right? But nonetheless, there's this, this expectation. Again, others are more important. And when you serve others, do you, are you continually thinking, this isn't my job, this isn't my job, I really shouldn't be serving, they should be serving me, I shouldn't be the one cleaning up, somebody else should, where is that person at? Or, is it Look at that mess. That's my mess. I own that. That's, that's where I need to be, right over there. I'm not looking around, right? For who made it. But that's my mess. Right? Now, I understand there are other aspects to it. That's fine. Yeah. Sometimes people make messes and they need to be talked to, right? Sure, that's fine. But there's a difference, right? There's a difference between the servant saying, yeah, okay, I'm here, boss. Yeah, you got this for me to do. Okay, good. Wow, I need help. Right? And that was, uh, that's Luther's concept of vocation as well, by the way. Something that's so helpful for us is he rec Luther understood that when I enter into what God has called me to do, I pretty quickly get to the end of my resources. I must have Christ. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He's directing the Philippians to Christ. Hey man, you've got a lot of stuff to do. Very important stuff. You must look to Christ to get it done. So that's the idea. Philippians 2, 1-11. through 11. Let me pray for us.